Hi, Ben. Hello, Victoria. How are you? I'm really good. I'm good middling good at the moment. How about you? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm okay, thank you. It's all good here. All good in the hood in rural Cambridgeshire, where I have to say it has been pissing down, and I'm totally bored of lockdown. I really am. Oh, yes, you were going to, you wanted to get a lot off your chest, didn't you? Yeah, in you? fact, I think, I think being in lockdown has made me grumpy and miserable. Um, mm-hmm. And if that comes across, then I apologise to our literally tens of listeners but I'm just, you know... <laughs> um, You're pleased with that one. <laughs> it is just tedious, isn't it? It's, I'm really bored. You can't go to the pub. You can't do anything. Oh. Yeah, but did anyway. any... What I'd like to know is this stuff that people are complaining about not doing, how much of it exactly did they do anyway? Because everyone well, was then the going, oh, you did? Yeah, I, I like going out to the pub. I like You're going not really with a my pub friends. man. I like going to London for days out. I like going to do other stuff. I mean, there's loads of stuff I like to do. It's just, you just, I don't know, the the idea that you're not supposed to go out unless it's essential, that's the thing. I mean, I, I like to potter. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a middle-aged man, sorry, I'm an old man, yeah. and old men potter around. Everybody knows that. So it's the lack of potter. See, that's Absolutely. not really wanting to go wild. It's just the lack of potter. I'm barred from pottering in Potter's Bar. <laughs> Is that where you went to potter? <laughs> Who wouldn't go there? Potty mouth goes to Potter in Potter's Bar. <laughs> so so good they named it for pottering. Talking of potty mouth, we've got a Twitter oh, yeah. saga to tell you all about. <laughs> yes, if you haven't have. seen it. Oh, that was the that was one of the I mean, how tragic is this that um getting to an unseemly squabble with a with a couple of guys <laughs> on Twitter, one of whom has apparently now blocked me, I'm, I'm told. But anyway, getting into an unseemly squabble was the highlight of my week. That's how sad this is. Maybe you shouldn't start your interactions with fuck off. Yeah, obviously caught me at a bad moment. <laughs> you haven't had a biscuit yet. <laughs> My blood sugar was low. <laughs> See, anyway, that's I'm... when I get you, isn't it? Okay, so I'm Ben Ando. I'm a former BBC News correspondent, crime reporter, whose blood sugar right now is not the highest it's ever been. I've had, to, I have to say, but it's not quite as low as it was the other day. Good. Get a quick shot of sugar, Ben. Do you know, what oh. I've got here is something called. Puka Wonderberry Green Tea. It's puka. actually quite tasty. Well, oh, it's puka. P-U-K-K-A. Yeah. Pucker. But I like to say puka. Pucker. Uh, well, I've got I've got Pure Evian here. That'll do me. And I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm a journalist. I'm a podcaster. I'm a do-anything-for-money-in-lockdown uh, fitness. Cool. I'm trying to do a bit of fitness, but it's kind of waned a bit during this lockdown. You don't like that either, do you? No, I don't. I'm really missing going to the gym. I do like to go to the gym and I'm missing it. What do you like about the gym? Because I I managed to eke out of you that it's actually just going there, lifting things a few times and then looking at women. So I like the fact that it works. I I can see the physical improvement in my shape. Oh my God. You I'm, can. I'm, oh. I'm not. A, I'm not. A, it's, it's all down to my daughter Josie. She's the gym bunny, and she got me going. And she's really, really good because she tells me what to do. She encourages me. She comes up with all these good exercises for me, and it's really cool. It's a good way for us to bond. And how come? I also, how come you let her tell you what to do, and you're so averse to me going? Do you think you could possibly turn up at three fifteen for a podcast? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, you um, don't like this time of day. Oh, what time of day do you like, Ben? 
Well, indeed. Um, and getting back to what I was saying, what I really notice as well is the cool, the endorphin rush I get. I do, I lift some heavy oh, weights man. and I just feel great. Oh, I feel man. really good about it. Is it just like buzzing? I, f- <laughs> I feel like the most, to say the least. Oh, God. Oh, the cock of the walk walking out of that poor gym that's inflicted with you. <laughs> but I can't at the moment, can I? And the truth is I'm never going to do any exercises at home. I mean, Josie, to be fair, does. She gets her weights out and she goes in the conservatory and she gets, you know, she gets stuck in. I'm much too lazy or unmotivated to do that. Does so, she? Does so. she do it regularly as well? Yeah, yeah, she does. She good. does four days on the row and then she has three days off, just four and three. Oh, that's very disciplined. Does she actually yeah. do that? That's brilliant. I, I um, I try and do a little bit here and a little bit there. I did, I had to do low impact because I got my bad foot. Oh God! Nobody cares. Nobody cares, but it's you. There's like nothing it. more boring. Can I just say? We all know mm. this unpopular opinion, but it's true. There's nothing more boring than other people's ailments and illnesses. You should see my face right now. I was so <laughs> pleased with myself, about to tell you all about my workouts, and then <laughs> it just fell and snarled. <laughs> you tell me about your workout, but not your boring ailment. Well, it impacts the... It, it doesn't impact the workout. I was, t- I was trying to tell you what I was doing because it's a bit... It's so lacklustre when you can't jump around. You can't do any cardio. So I have to do this kind of weird... I don't really... I'm not really a... I actually am a bit of a weights person, but I, I do like doing sort of running and jigging and that kind of... Spinning. I really miss spinach. Oh, God. Spinning Sorry, right, brilliant. You mean... Right, you mean riding an exercise bike but if you do a spinning class it takes you anaerobic oh man that's the buzz eyes looking for stop talking about it being spinning it's it's sitting on an exercise bike have you done spinning no, no. There I've you go. An ex- no, hang there on, I've on an exercise bike loads of times I teach spinning, sp- come to my spinning yeah. class and then you'll go oh this isn't just cycling okay, you'll have sorry. a really sore just, groin as just well. for avoidance of doubt I've been, to a, I've been to a class but I call it sitting on an exercise bike have you? you've yeah. been to a spin class? no I've been to sitting on an exercise bike class it's the same thing well you can't have been to a proper well taught spinning class then I don't like classes anyway I like to do my own thing classes don't like you I can imagine your face wet weekend yeah. in there yeah, true, totally true. <laughs> right. What are we talking about today? I'm bored of just talking about exercise now. I know. I can't do it. I know. What are we talking um, about today? We are talking about, as well as our Twitter spat, another, it's, <laughs> it's one of many, we are talking about Libby Squire's murder. We're talking about the impeachment of Donald Trump, and I think what you have very cleverly lined up is a sort of short explainer from Philip the Terminator. Chern, I know he's coming to join to us, tell us, tell us what it's all it. about um, yeah. in good, plain. Because you see, he's journalist. a proper journalist. Yeah. He's a proper journalist. We both said that at the same time. That's because we're improper journalists. <laughs> Very improper. Somebody said to me, oh, you're supposed to be one of the BBC's best. I said, God, no. No, where did you get that from? What, 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 what did they say? Well, it was one of those... Uh, we'll come to the Twitter spat later. One of them said, you know, fine words from the somebody supposed to be one of the BBC's you know best what? correspondents. That was oh, me. That was, that was me. You. I told you? you, I was trying to defend you, and you turned around and went, oh, I'm just a gobshite. No, what did you call You turned around and went, I'm a... Uh... No, bollocks, <laughs> fuck off. And I was like, oh, fuck you for me defending. So we start hitting each other over the head like Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, we'll come on to that. Yes. And the other thing, we, uh, the, but the, thing, the reason that we're partly the reason we got into the Twitter spat, and partly part of the reason why we're talking about Donald Trump's impeachment is, of course, picking up on a story that we've done a couple of times now, and that is Lisa Montgomery. Um, you know, no spoilers, but the punchline is she was executed, and that's just awful. And we're going to come on to that and talk about that later. We are going back to trying to tell you about the Libby Squire murder. Yeah, that... well, let's talk about it now. Oh, let's go straight into it, shall we? Um, Pavel Relevitz came across 21-year-old Libby Squire on a road in Hull and drove her to a remote playing field, Sheffield, Crown Court was told. And there, the 26-year-old butcher, says the Metro, is accused of killing a philosophy student in an act of sexual violence and disposing of her body in a freezing river. Hang on, is it, when he says butcher, does that mean he's a murdering butcher, or he actually is a butcher? He he's a butcher by trade. Uh, he he was, yeah. Did you see that? No, I'm just I'm picking up on what you said. Okay, yes, he is a butcher by trade. But oh. Libby, who's originally from High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire, uh, the patch I know well because I've worked there. Do you remember Mix ninety six? Yeah, I do vaguely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mix ninety six. Tell me more about Mix ninety six. Mitts on Mix ninety six. Yes. I loved that radio station, just like you loved Hot FM and oh, what's that other one that you bang on about? Uh, there was the Tepid FM. Freezing cold and, FM. <laughs> and it was the um, the other one was Radio Trent in Nottingham. I loved working at Radio Trent. I, yeah. I loved working at the Hot FM and at Radio Trent. It was really cool. But Mix has been bought by one of the big chains now, so it is no more. Well, that's a shame. I know. We have to say goodbye to the Mix monster. Pity. That's. A, <laughs> I mean, that's actually a real tragedy in local radio, the way that... All it's... the independent local radio stations that were really... Un- I mean, do you remember they all used to be named after rivers, didn't they? There was, like, the River yeah. Orwell, Orwell Radio in Ipswich. There was the River Air, Air Radio in Leeds. Was there Radio Humber on Humberside? Oh, you're good there at was rivers and radios. Avon. Um, so there was Seven Air... Humber, seven, yeah. Uh, seven, seven Sound. It's um, what spirit? Is spirit? Because that's in... Oh, that that those, uh, York was Minster FM. That was a bit different. Uh, and there was Radio Trent, of course, in Nottingham. It was just brilliant. And, and they, were, they had such a local identity. And then it all got bought up by, you know, ship players like you know, Galaxy and Capital and, I don't know, Virgin Greatest Hits Radio bought me. And they all just become some kind of, like, blancmange, you know, which is a real shame. Because they used to be so individual and different, you know, they had to, their well, own now, kind of particular style. Now I ask people, because, you know, one of my... <laughs> One of my chat-up lines is, what radio station do you listen to? <laughs> and uh, when they... I'm sorry, but when they say the chains, my heart sinks. I think you can tell a lot by the station that somebody listens to. Oh, OK. What do you listen to, then? I listen to what you listen to. Bit of R4, bit of R5, some very occasionally Radio 5. I love my BBC local. I love BBC local radio. It's fantastic as a whole. And... The- yeah, podcast, podcast, podcast. Oh, yeah. It's all gone pod know. now. Oh, it's all gone pod. My favourite British local radio station was Devon Air. Oh, that's such a cool name. <laughs> yeah. You're listening to Devon Air. That's really Devon Air you Devon to Devon like Air. that. And, and when, you, when I worked for IRN in the uh, mid-1990s, when you went anywhere on a story, because IRN had lots of clients internationally, you had to reel off a list of sort of outcues so that those stations could put their own outcue on it so it sounded like you were their reporter. So, for example, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd go there and you say, Ben Ando, you know, um, in Bristol for IRN. And then you'd say, for, you know, 
t- New Zealand one for you know ABC Australia for this for that for the other and my favourite one was Radio Bop News. Where's that? <laughs> I think it's I think it's in South Africa somewhere. Bop with that's one maybe. A bot, as in B O T. No, Bop as in bopping around. Well, be B-O-T. better if it was Radio Botty. Bravo Oscar Papa. Jennifer Lopez would be a presenter. She'd be an anchor on Bot FM. <laughs> if it wasn't Bot, it was Bop. Radio I'm just bop. changing it because I like it. I might just tweet Jennifer J-Lo, at J-Lo. Which J-Lo like. for Radio Bot. Would you like to be at my... There are some tremendous online... Sta- there are some tremendous radio stations generally with somebody doing their... Have you seen Duncan Barks from... Do you know him? No. And he's just decided to start a radio station. He's He does, uh, I think he does early breakfast on all the syndicated BBCs now. What's um, his name? Duncan Barks, B-A-R-K-E-S. And he's just started a jazzy station because he likes jazzy music. And I just think that's brilliant. Just do, people should just do radio. Really? Oh, don't talk so. I'm not jazz. <laughs> well, you know, but it would be, it's just really nice if you do what you want to, and it's just so accessible. And radio has all these kind of avenues that it does amazing things. <laughs> Welcome to Jazz Radio. Nice. He's really good, Duncan Marks. I worked with him uh, at Radio London, and um, he was a very good late nighter. I really enjoyed, I was doing nights when I was pregnant very healthy he sort of kept me entertained and i was getting bigger and bigger and uh he would i would just listen to his chat and all the drunk people calling waddling around on the night shift <gasps> trying to do news when you sometimes had to go and sort of break stories and stuff and you couldn't actually get yourself to the studio in any time and you had to wee all the time because you were pregnant <laughs> breaking stories or breaking water <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Those were good times. But um, also Simon Lederman as well. Do you know him? No. Don't you? Those two are radio greats. I'm sure they are. I don't doubt it for a second. I'm sure they speak very highly of you. Mm. But I don't I don't really listen Who to being local radio. I used to listen to it all the time, independent local radio. Now I listen to national BBC most of the time. Do I you? I still listen to BBC Radio Cambridge. I think I'm not just saying this because I'm a podcaster but there are really some amazing amazing podcasts out there and I don't think it's necessarily the people who've got all the money and it's not just BBC Sounds who are doing things which are impressive I think that the amazing amount of independence you know just doing really creative things and giving over so much time um, and genuinely making content that a radio journalist like me wants to listen to and listens to week in week out but then people feel that like that about us they don't necessarily tell us I find out though you guys I know that you're listening people tell me Sounds like you want to hear. That was Radio Trent's old catchphrase. Uh, what was it on KMFM in Kent? It was the news you need. KMFM in Kent. I mean, cunt, I mean Kent. <laughs> Tonight on we... News at 10 in the cunt countryside. I mean, the Kent countryside. <laughs> Should we get back to the crime? Yeah, okay. Should we do the we time do on the crime? Yeah, let's do the time on the crime. So Pavel Relevich, so he's on trial. He's accused of raping and murdering um, Libby Squire, dumping her body. Uh, The trial at Sheffield Crown Court was told that Pavel was patrolling the streets looking for victims when he found a drunk and vulnerable student who he raped and murdered. 21-year-old Libby was in deep distress and likely hypothermic when Pavel Relevitz came across her on a road in Hull and drove her to a remote playing field. 
there the 26 year old butcher is accused <laughs> of killing the philosophy student in an act of sexual violence and disposing of her body in a freezing river um, Libby, who's originally from High Wycombe in Buckinghamshire, a patch I know well because um, I've worked there for quite a few years, had been in good spirits on the evening of January the 31st, 2019, while out on a night with friends. But she was refused entry to the Welly nightclub at about 11pm because she appeared too drunk. She was put in a taxi home by her friends who paid the fare in advance. But after she was dropped off at about half past 11, she didn't enter her home. She didn't have her phone with her and friends didn't hear from her again. A major police and public search was launched before her body was recovered from the Humber estuary in Grimsby almost seven weeks later. Yeah, I mean, she... And this is just an awful, awful story. Um, so Pavel Relovich is on trial. He's um, somebody who the court has heard is somebody who has a history of exposing himself to women in public. He's a peeping Tom. He's watched them changing and having or having sex. He's, he's burgled women's homes uh, with the purpose of stealing their underwear and, se- uh, underwear and sex toys. And following his arrest in February, the police recovered a pink holdall full of sex toys, photographs of young women and several pairs of knickers and thongs. And so, I mean, that, that's he is the person who is accused of this um, awful, awful killing. Um, what the jury has also heard is some horrific evidence about uh, Libby. The coroner couldn't give a cause of death but said there was a bruise on her thigh and that there were scratches uh, on the face of the defendant suggesting that she had put up a fight uh, when uh, he is alleged to have attacked her and killed her. And a statement made by her mother, Lisa, was read out that said her daughter had battled mental health issues, including an eating disorder and self-harming, um, and that she had been afraid of water since she was young, to the extent that she wouldn't even go near a swimming pool when on holiday. And she was also scared of the dark. And so when you think about what actually happened and uh, you know her being abducted after she, she, was, she, she was drunk, she gets to her front door, she's put, taken there by the taxi that her friends had paid for, but for some reason she doesn't go in her house. She wanders around, um, two men come across, they check if she's all right, she verbally abuses them so they just leave her to it. Um, she goes to another house, a student house, and some students invite her in, but she says no. Later her front door keys are found in that front garden, suggesting she dropped them, which might suggest why perhaps she couldn't get into her own house later. Um, and then uh, allegedly Pavel Relevich comes across her he picks her up puts her in his car drives her to this secluded spot where he is accused of, um, of, of attacking her sexually and then killing her um, her boyfriend says that she uh, Connor James Pye uh, setting again in, in, via a statement that she was somebody who was a who hadn't wanted to go out because she had a lecture the next morning but didn't want to let the girls down um, she was a happy drunk but she didn't understand moderation and I think anyone If you're anything like me, there are times when I have been a small bit inebriated to this extent where, and those those kind of details like dropping door keys and just being sort of, I remember coming back from a night on the vodka with my sister and we were standing outside Unigate Dairies at the time just shouting at the milkmen. You know, they, these are quite normal things to do. It sounds awful when, you know, you're in a courtroom and everyone's sober and you've been murdered. But, you know, at the time, they're quite normal drunk things to do. And everything about this suggests that here she is, is somebody vulnerable, um, frightened of the dark, scared of water, who must have gone through a horrific ordeal um, before being murdered, allegedly, by Pavel Relevich. 
who is originally from Poland and was seen driving this, uh, around that student area of Hull in his silver Vauxhall Astra on that evening that Libby disappeared. Um, the jury, which I find quite interesting, is made up of five men and seven women. He, I mean, knew, he was familiar I mean, with talked, that area. I mean, we have talked before about jury makeup didn't and, let me finish. and the impact. Yeah, let me finish. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. Finished. Well, we have talked before about jury makeup and the impact it has, but I think it's not appropriate to talk about it while a trial is ongoing. No, but I just thought I'd mention that detail. Sure, yeah. Just to build a picture here. And he's accused of raping and killing Libby during an act of sexual violence, but he pleads not guilty to a count of rape and one of murder. So we will definitely keep you across that trial, which is expected to last up to five weeks. Any reporter will tell you how sick they get of the news desk phoning up and saying, is the jury out? Do you know when they'll be coming back? No, the one thing you never know is when the jury will be coming back. Mm. Anyway, um, moving on. So mm. what, what are we going to talk about next? Is What's it, oh, impeachment, tr- everyone? Do you know? <laughs> it's got I, the I word peach do- in it. I I kind of do know, but I don't know. It's one of those things where everybody bandies this word around, but strictly speaking, it's it's a kind of a a process that we don't necessarily understand. But I think you've lined up a little explainer, haven't you? I know a man who know. (laughs) Let's hear from (laughs) imposter to the podcast. And (laughs) um, what what did you want to call him? Producer... (laughs) What did you say when you were talking about a Jeremy Vine show and they get somebody to explain something who's quite clever? Yeah, it's a guy called Tim Johns. He's a producer, but he does these kind of um, uh, illustrated sort of voice pieces describing a particular thing. And so I'm hoping that Phil will do the same. Well, let's hand over to Phil then. Impeachment is a system used in some countries to remove government officers like presidents from office. It happens when the official doesn't want to leave their job voluntarily. In the United States, the founding fathers were worried that presidents might abuse their powers, so they included in the Constitution a process for removing a president from office if they believed their leader had committed treason, bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanours. It's like an indictment, which is something a prosecutor needs to get before a trial. Someone is impeached when a legislature, such as the United States Senate, votes to do that. In the US's nearly 250 years of history, none of the three men to have faced impeachment, Presidents Bill Clinton, Andrew Johnson and Donald Trump, has actually been removed from office. In another case, which would almost certainly have ended in impeachment, Richard Nixon resigned from office. Effectively, he jumped before he was pushed. In this latest case, Donald Trump has made history after becoming the first US president to be impeached twice. Donald Trump is accused of inciting a mob that stormed Congress last week after he repeated false claims of election fraud. Five people died in those events. What happens now is that a trial will be held some time after the president leaves office on January the 20th and the new president, Joe Biden, is sworn in. If Mr Trump is convicted, senators could also vote to bar him from ever holding public office again. So, what do you think? Well, I mean, who knows? I don't know enough about it. It was really great to hear from Phil to explain it, but what I'm really interested in is talking about why, you know, we 
Donald Trump, I think, has abused his power in his as, as he goes out of office. Not only that, but what it means, because he's at the end of his tenure anyway. So but, he's being elbowed out the picture. Yeah, I mean, he's being elbowed out the picture. I mean, I don't know, will he get his presidential pension? I don't know. I don't really care. He's supposed to be so rich, although as far as I can tell, he's bankrupted lots of companies. And he, I, I just think he's a, a ghastly, hideous individual. But the thing is, I mean, the, 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 I, I don't know, I'd have given him I would have possibly urinated a little bit on him if he was if he was on fire before, but I wouldn't now, not after what he did to Lisa Montgomery. I just think that's just despicable and vile. I really, really loathe him for what he's done. He's basically sought and achieved the execution of a mentally vulnerable a woman who, as far as I can see, has carried out a horrific, awful crime because she was mentally unbalanced, not well, and for a, for a state to then kill her, I, I just think it's vile. I think the American justice system should hang its head in shame. But this has come about because Donald Trump, un- breaking with all precedent, even though he has no authority, he's been voted out of office, purely, it's purely protocol that he still remains in office until the new president is actually formally sworn in in a um, couple of days' time. But he's broken with all protocol, which is that they, they hold fire on execution, hold fire, they, they pause executions uh, until the new president comes in because the new president has, is seen to have authority. Instead, he's, he's gone through a whole load of, of executions, um, Obviously, as ever, a disproportionate number of young black men. And he has also sought and, and been given, or achieved, if that's the right word, I don't think it is, the execution of a vulnerable woman who, just, who has just suffered such abuse. It really makes me angry. Holding Lisa Montgomery for a moment, yeah. I just want to finish that by saying the Senate will hold a trial to determine the president's guilt but it won't happen during Mr Trump's remaining week in office I do think it's very important that he's finally held to account yeah um, totally and uh, formally so because he's rejected his responsibility for the violence I think it's, it's important for many different reasons that somebody finally calls him up on it and I, I'd like I'd be very interested to see his reaction because he's been you know he's been banned from Twitter and any social media is that right the big social media platforms yeah he's off Twitter he's off um Facebook I think is he I don't know I, I don't think he ever really engaged with Facebook he was all about Twitter and I think they banned him I'd like so. to see how fair the trial is but um, coming back to Lisa Montgomery the process which I know that you're very against uh, of execution that happened to, the, to this woman who some of the social media interactions that I saw pointed out that she wouldn't have even been terribly aware of her trial aside from the fact that she was herself a victim and as you say it's a shameful indictment on the american system at the same time people tried they did try they got a stay and that was overturned overall i don't know the official term for that but to butcher this woman on top of that because this lethal injection isn't nice it's it's and the way that it's done is is a kind of show tra- it was like a show trial but it's it's in front of um, a bunch of journalists and witnesses and she wasn't allowed to have a spiritual representative with her that was refused um, she didn't want to say anything which is probably in keeping with an abused 
woman who has obviously committed an offence, but you don't do the same to somebody who it's been done to. I don't well, think okay, let's make a right. Let's not shy away from the awful crime she committed. She befriended a 23-year-old woman, Bobby Jo Stinnett, um, in Missouri um, over an online shared love of dogs. Um, she drove to Stinnett's house. Now, Stinnett was heavily pregnant. Um, she overpowered her. She strangled her with a piece of rope. And then she cut her unborn infant out of her womb. Now, police found Montgomery cradling this newborn girl she told them she had given birth to the child herself pretty quickly the story fell apart and she confessed to the killing she was found guilty of uh, murder uh, and kidnapping in 2007 and was sentenced to death the next day so she's been on death row since uh, 2007 13 years and since 2008 she'd been held in a federal prison in texas for female inmates with special needs she had been receiving psychiatric care since receiving her actual execution date although it did change as we've talked about before uh, she was placed on suicide watch her lawyer says the original legal defense was woefully inadequate it prevented few of the details about her awful abuse trauma and mental illness and this abuse again we've talked about it but just to recap on it for new listeners she was abused by her mother who drank heavily when she was pregnant with lisa montgomery she was abused by her stepfather who kept her in a special room in his kind of trailer where uh, she would be routinely raped and abused by him and his friends and urinated on she never knew any kind of normality she had no um, barometer for what was right or wrong now nobody is saying that what she did deserves anything other than um, a heavy heavy possibly whole life prison sentence but to put a woman like that to death I think is barbaric luckily I'd held off the release of the podcast for last Tuesday because on Wednesday morning, Lisa Montgomery was put yeah. to death. And the I, I'm going to be totally honest when I say I couldn't get my head straight that day and I was along with a lot of other people as an outpouring of sympathy is the wrong word, but just dismay and shock at what happened. So I think shock, horror, outrage, you know, it's... It was just it was just evil, just evil what was done to her. Mm. So, yes, and uh, off the back of that, we engaged in a spat on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Because essentially, <laughs> we agreed, what I was doing was I, I sometimes pop out tweets to people who are campaigners or people who are supporting related or, or examining related crimes for whatever reason saying you might be interested in um, this analysis I also really love the feedback because it it mainly goes right in the main it goes right however this time at Paul M Seligman <laughs> who essentially agrees that it was awful and that's why you know he's he's got some human rights background but um he doesn't extend his clemency to us <laughs> but i think so yeah it was it was him and at that guy that that gun, gun you, liked. you liked who's called, called luke. luke he seems okay i mean yeah we, he, we he first tweeted luke in the end. he first tweeted that he thought it was abhorrent for us to use the title womb raider um, I did. I disagree. I think it was actually a totally appropriate title because that's what she had been dubbed in the press. Uh, that, that, that is what she did. She raided another woman's womb. Um, and but I also it told him like... that it was a national newspaper's headline. I told. I told, gave it to them good and straight. Yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, I mean, I thought it was actually a, a very, very good way of attracting attention to what's a horrible, awful story. Um, and they were sort of, I don't know, he said it was uh. horror and I just told him to fuck off, basically. But he was okay about it. I mean, I think he's probably a, a decent enough guy, but he caught me on a bad morning. But this guy said... Another bad like morning. Bit, absolutely, seems like a complete prick. I mean, a very sanctimonious prick. Um, I think Salpus you know, very, very, was a very, great very pleased thing. With it. Very, very pleased with himself. Very, very pleased with himself. Very pleased with himself. But I think I'm a bit saddened that he saw fit to block you and not me. As if in a climax of technical hitches, it's at this point we lose Ben. So I just wanted to recap on our podcast wind-up, which involved Ben, Potty Mouth, Ando, confirming he's proud of living up to his title. You also escaped suffering Ben and I doing a repertoire of our best British accents. Also a note to Chum of the Podcast, Big Bear, that we're holding off on miscarriages of justice for now. Stefan Klitschko's such a biggie that we want to do it right, even though it does run on from the tragedy of the Lisa Montgomery story. Thanks for a fantastic email. A big thank you also to Glamorous News Lady, the podcast's iconic mascot, for the comparison of Lisa Montgomery being the US version of Ruth Ellis, to which Ben's response was quite rich and colourful, so I'll see if he can repeat it next week. Ben also throws out a punt for some lockdown three support, to which he's growing very weary. And also massive thank you to Phil Churn for getting us as the quagmire of impeachment. We love you. See you all next week. 